Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again to Hollywood Rx. The doctors are in. Doctors D and G, that is. How are you this week, Dr. D? I am raring to go. Excellent. Excellent, then. <laughs> Let's waste no time breaking down the on-demand blockbuster known as World War 84. Oh, I'm sorry. Wonder <laughs> Woman 1984. Um, the follow Patty Jenkins follow up to her first film in the Wonder Woman franchise. Doctor D, how did you feel about this movie? Well, I am going to give you a very uh, succinct because I'll save it all for later. But my first take is this: I now have much greater respect for the 2017 Wonder Woman film, the original in this uh, universe starring Gal Gadot. Uh, much of the promise uh, and kind of innate intelligence of that first one, I feel was squandered here, uh, you know, going for on-the-nose laughs and uh, and cheap, convenient heart. Turning it back over to you. <laughs> well, that is... Uh... That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty kind and generous assessment. <laughs> oh my God, this is going to be fun. Good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like it, it traded away all the potential and intelligence of the first one. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a superhero movie kind of guy. Right. But, uh, you know, it was only, it took me about half way through the movie before I realized oh they must be intentionally making this look and feel like a bad 80s action movie yes yes holy cow yes it was actually hard to believe that it was the same the same person behind it yeah the same um, sort of creative uh, entities yes first of all I, I'm hard pressed to recall <laughs> A movie with the possible exception of the dark knight yes where uh the villain has more screen time than the hero yes and more screen time but not always doing villainous things and more screen time doing essentially the same thing this is one of my biggest problems with it was that i felt structurally like there was nothing going on in this movie except watching Max Lord go from person to person saying, what do you wish for? Right. And then they cut away from it and we go to something else. We go to Steve and, and, and wonder and then we come back to him. <laughs> and he's that now he's always with someone else. And what do you wish for? Like, right. That was really the best they could do? Right. Uh, yeah. I, wonder Woman. I, I wonder why they did this. Yes. Wonder why 1984. <laughs> there you go. And the only reason I can think of why they chose 1984, frankly, is yeah. because the 80s is the 80s is an era that is associated with greed, and given that that was that seemed to be the uh, the key sin at work here, that that's the only connection I could that I could make to this okay. taking place in 1984. I want to tag um, up on what you're saying there, but I want to make sure that we. We finish your first impressions before we start. Oh, go ahead. You're so polite. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm considering your first impressions over, and now we can have at it. As long as you're bringing up this subject, choosing the year to set it in and including the year in the title. Here's the thing. 
uh, yes, the 80s was known for being, uh, you know, a haven for greediness and a bunch of stuff they wanted to kind of shine a light on, some of which is still going on, frankly, and was going on before uh, that decade. But that decade has taken kind of a, become known for it. But here's the problem. That leaves yeah. you with 1980, 81, 82, and so on. You have nine, eight or nine other options for years that you could put in your title. But 1984 belongs to someone else. Yes, it does. It is owned by someone else. And so unless you are going to take that other work and somehow build on it or turn it or expose it and go see it really did turn out to be, happen in 1984. That's true. Unless you use that year in some way to tie it to what we all know, you are you're a oh you're a fucking idiot and you have missed an opportunity. Call it 1985. Wondered, Call it 1987. I actually wondered if there was going to be some Orwell reference right. in the story. Right. And they didn't yeah, even that, do it. No. And another problem I have with it, basically, is that, you know, whatever commentary you're making on the nature of humanity. Yeah. Well, if you, you know, limit it to 1984, so, oh, it has no relevance to today, I guess. Right. So right. Uh, what is the point of this? You're oh. not telling us anything new. It's the greed decade. Right. In which case it could just as easily have been 1983. Here's what they should have called it. Wonder Woman colon be careful what you wish for because a you wished there would be a sequel and you ought to have been careful and b the whole thing hinges on i mean they make a reference to the monkey's paw in the course of it but really it's coming down to people are wishing for things but then the thing they thought would make their lives better or fix it are actually making things worse so it falls right into the into that you know cliche anyway the whole thing fell into one giant cliche after another oh my god my head is exploding. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, where, where, where do we even start breaking this thing down? Okay, let's start with the wacky, tacky 80s montage at the beginning so that we knew, you know, that that's... Oh, my God. That was tying the, the title in right away. We knew where we were. And I'm like, this is like a terrible, this is like a terrible parody of a bad TV show. It's like, you, you know. It reminded me, actually, of like those theme park reenactors who are, <laughs> you know, playing Waterworld as they're jumping around. and Right, you know, right. Was, That's so funny. It was that level of acting. And, and the think. comedy was just, that was very low-hanging fruit type comedy to go, you know, weren't we goofy and crazy back then? And all it made, my, my brain was just crying out, who is this movie for? Because if you, it, it, this is like, um, it's the most obvious kind of comedy to go for. So the adults in the crowd will see it, but they won't find it amusing. If anything, they'll find it embarrassing. And the kids haven't lived through the thing you're referencing. So it's not going to come off as a joke to them at all. I don't even understand what it's supposed to be. Hollywood also needs to build a different mall set. <laughs> uh, yes. Because, uh, man, if I'm not sick of seeing that particular courtyard at the bottom of the escalators right it's right like but, but even one in every movie even that it takes place in a mall is a very 1980s type you know i mean didn't mall rats come out in the 80s didn't you know no that's no that came out oh in the 90s, really I believe. oh geez i'm yeah. sorry what about uh what about fast times that has a lot of mall stuff in oh it. that's definitely 80s yeah yeah so i mean <sighs> even scenes from a mall came out in the 80s. <laughs> there you go 
so I would start with that right off the bat. I was like, wait a minute. This is thinks it's going to have a sense of humor and try to be kooky and funny. And I don't understand how we went from World War One in the first one to shifting into this nonsense in the second one. And and so I I was not surprised when kind of the stakes, like what was at stake, felt very lightweight and not nearly as kind of um, grounded as what was at stake in the first one. This whole thing of, you know, I wish I had more nukes. First of all, <laughs> was that supposed to be Reagan? Because no, I I think it that, was. I don't know who that actor is, but he's like from the Archie Bunker, All in the Family, Norman Lear school <laughs> of character acting. Right. I was floored that that was that they they took it that far. Uh, yes, and and they never say specifically who he is. He wasn't doing a Reagan, which would have been easy enough to do. I don't know why they would bother setting it in our world in 1984, but then not and having a high-profile character like a president, and then not actually just going for that same jokey. They could have just as easily included a guy doing a Reagan. And they what are they going to say? Oh no, now no one's going to take it seriously. Shut up. Right. Because as, as you know, some of our younger listeners may not realize, <laughs> the 80s are also known as the Reagan era. So, right. yeah, you're, you're just opening a can of worms by, right. by, by stepping into the Oval Office. Absolutely. And, and they, you know, and the Star Wars program was kind of born during that time. And yes. so he and funny, he didn't wish to be reelected. No, 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 no. Year, the year of his re-election campaign. No, no, no. That, right. That, that didn't, that didn't come up. Right. It also oh seemed to, to not occur to any of the people listening to Max Lord's TV broadcast. No one seems to wish for the end of the world or something. <laughs> right. That, that something, or, you know, a million dollars rains from the sky. Something that would just, you know, across the board affect everybody. Right. Right. No, it all just seemed to be like, I want new golf clubs, uh, I want uh, a pe car. Peace on earth, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would that no. look like? No, or, obviously, obviously, if people have the ability to wish for anything yeah. they want, it's only going to be greedy, harmful. Right. Well, things. how about how about this? Shouldn't there have been a, a large contingent of people in another corner of the world wishing death to America? Yeah. Okay, so this is why you can't have it take place in the real 1980s. Because then you'd have to and you and have that as your basic story engine, because it would get too real too quickly, and you know spin way out of control. And here's a question. Here's a question. So yes. uh, at the end of the movie, everyone uh, everyone rescinds their wishes, right? Yeah, I guess. Sure. And then the next day, oh, it's, everything's cleaned up, hunky dory, nothing happened. What does everyone have amnesia? Uh, I don't. I don't. I can't help you here. I, it doesn't. It, none of it makes any sense. It doesn't none hold up to the. Can. Here's here's the thing. I think that this is possibly. We've had a lot of patients on our table, in the last few years, Doctor Doctor G, and I think mm. this one is in the most critical condition of needing to be either uh, radical surgery to save it or euthanasia to be put out of its misery. Oh, it's euthanasia. No, this is definitely. <laughs> This, this is definitely the trip to the waiting right. room well, and breaking the news that there's nothing we can do. Oh, no. oh yes, the, that's, that is rough. Um, that is rough stuff. Uh, well, speaking, sort of speaking of which, uh, I was watching it with uh, my good lady wife, and 
in the, during the credits, she saw Chris Pine's name pop up, and she said, hang on, spoiler alert for the first one. So shut this off or turn it down. She says, didn't he die? Right. And so, and I said, well, I, I think that he's going to come back somehow. And she goes, well, how are they going to do that? And then as we were sitting, sitting there watching it, the instant a, a thing appeared that, that could grant you a wish, I went, there's the genie in the bottle. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, oh, never mind, you'll see. And sure enough, that was, uh, you know, I was just waiting for the mechanism that could resurrect him somehow. And I'm happy to see him back, although they didn't seem to have nearly the level of chemistry they did the first time around. It was almost Zero. like they had been married and divorced since we saw them uh, as, also, as know, actors, not as characters. Yeah. Supposedly, she's had roughly 70 years to... Yes, yeah, sixty. A superhero. It was, it was to, 1918. Uh, to, yeah, to take care of real piddly little crime in white areas of town. Um, <laughs> so, but when there's a, a a moral dilemma, like basically, she had zero qualms of putting herself first when the first opportunity came up. <laughs> she didn't wrestle with as, any decision about it, as far as a wish is concerned. Right. And yeah. Now I can. Okay. Granted, maybe at that point, it was unknown how literal that that stone was going to be. Right. In right. granting wishes. Right. But then she had no. But once it started taking on these these other, you know, once she started realizing that her powers were weakening as a result of it. Yeah. She didn't. She still didn't seem to have any qualms about it. She's like, I only want this one thing. Why can't I have it? Right. Like, oh, right. that's real commendable as a superhero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. And Merry you've Christmas. Had, you've you had go. you've had decades to kind of mature a little bit. I did feel like when you go, okay, so it was roughly, let's say, ni- uh, nineteen twenty in the first one. So you've jumped sixty five years into the future, give or take. And I just sort of felt like I didn't need it to jump that far forward. I could easily have had this story take place at a different era. You could still have had the wish stone. You don't have to have it be the 80s. It could be World War II, and you could still have wishes. And you could still be dealing with a manageable amount of time forward. But she has had 65 years to work out how to be a superhero and how to have an impact on the world beyond just swooping in when two girls steal a bracelet from a mall. I mean, yeah. that seems like such a such a meaningless waste of her time and her power. And you'd almost feel like she should be in the halls of justice and where all of the huge crimes that go against humanity are not not the not the not the muggings but the the stuff that that administrations the crimes that administrations commit can you imagine all the international crimes and torture and badness that go on uh in that 65 year span that apparently she hasn't stepped in and done anything about um it you start to get really really tricky when they exist they're supposed to exist in our world grounded in in our world and I mean, she's forgiven in the first one because it was her first outing. But there, there's something very interesting to be explored when you have somebody who is essentially going to be immortal. Batman's not immortal. So he's going to deal with 20 or 30 or maybe 40 years of crime, and he can only deal with it locally. She can fly all over the universe, all over the world, and she has decades of responsibility for suffering. And how does that affect you mentally as the hero there's a beautiful opportunity for some kind of an adult theme of what is the degree of everyone's responsibility that would then apply to us as individuals, not just to her as a superhero. A right. great opportunity to explore 
a theme like that here is completely left by the wayside in favor of, uh, well, here's what I was going to say. You go back, you look at uh, Star Wars, then called Star Wars, now called New Hope, you know, out in the, in the mid 70s, mid to late 70s. And it was it was bubblegum, but it also appealed to a certain number of adults as well. Um, it wasn't just a, a kid thing or a, or a geek thing because it wasn't based on a comic book or whatever. Then the second movie comes out, I think, in the early 80s, and it, it has matured. The themes are more complicated. The storytelling is, is richer, if I remember correctly, following that original trilogy. And then we get to the third one, and there's still a lot of that important thematic stuff going on in, in, um, in Return of the Jedi, but there are also Ewoks, which are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so for me, they decided to go the way of the Ewok in this movie. And they basically made it not just for like 10 to 13 year olds, like tweeners. They made it for girl tweeners. And it feels like it might have been written by a girl tweener. Uh, You know, I think it wasn't even an Ewoks adventure. This was this was the uh, this was the Star Wars Christmas special of <laughs> of Wonder Woman. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, this is just just awful. I really really hated Pedro Pascal. Oh, I did too. I really did too. Here's the thing, and I've got some nice things to say about him later. But I, just down to the wig, I'm like, the wig was bad. Everything about him was bad, and I and I just didn't care for almost anything he did there. I didn't think he was charming enough to be the guy he's supposed to be. And and listen, look, look, here's the thing. I have come to terms over the last several years that a lot of movies are no longer made for me, a white man who's 55. There are some out there still, and there are things that I like that I didn't realize I would have liked when I was younger, some more adult-themed stuff and independent stuff. But really, they're making they're making movies for people who are younger than I am and, by extension, younger than you are. And so I'm okay with that, but it doesn't mean that it has to be just crap, which is which is kind of what this is. I felt I was so I was so disappointed for Gal Gadot, and you know, mostly for her because she's contracted, and and this is what she was uh, she was handed. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned like uh, I can't remember what you said earlier, but I just felt like there were no shadows in this movie. It was lit like a sitcom in a way, or or it was just. All very yeah. evenly lit, and there was no there was no sort of shades of gray. I mean, this both literally, but I also mean in an emotional sense. It was all just well. I don't know if you remember Doctor yeah. D, but you know, back in the eighties, everything looked like the set of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yes, exactly. So malls, they did it, especially, they did it intentionally, but and not only literally as far as the lighting is concerned, but as far as the emotional content is concerned. But I feel like it's to their detriment. Uh, to have done that. So it may be an entertaining popcorn movie for someone who, you know, is <clears throat> wants to uh, check their brain at the door and tune out. But I still think you have to be under 13 years old to do it with this movie. Well, I think yeah, I and that. even then. I even... <laughs> so I have a bunch of other things. I just feel bad just bashing it. It's it's sort of fun when one of us loves it and one of us hates it so we can have our different positions. No, this is fun, too. <laughs> okay, good, good. Then I'm going to like I'm going to keep going man with my steamroller here. <clears throat> I'm just trying to Steam figure out which things away. which things will get me in less trouble because I've got I've got some things here to say. Okay, so I pretty much adore Kristen Wiig. I like her work on Saturday Night Live very consistently. She's done dozens of of characters and sketches that she basically, you know, 
it's great because of her. Even if the sketch is bad, she does some amazing thing or two things or whatever in it. And so I was always very impressed with her there. And she sort of slid into movies and, and, and did fairly well there. And then she hit with Bridesmaids. And I thought she was tremendous in that. I thought it was very well written. She and her partner, who, shame on me, I can't think of her name, were nominated for an Oscar for that, uh, that script. And good for her. And that's awesome. And I wish all good things for her. And I was delighted when I heard she was going to be this, in this and a little confused when I heard she was going to be playing a quote-unquote villain. I don't know enough about the Wonder Woman, you know, oeuvre to know who the villains are in the Wonder Woman world. And I saw uh, Kristen on Fallon. I saw a little, a little, you know, thing on YouTube where she had a clip with her. And I saw the clip and I suddenly got very sobered up about the whole thing because it was that moment where we meet her character, where her character's first coming into the the office for her, or, you know, if she drops the, the briefcase on the floor right, and right. people are ignoring her. And then she gets to say hello to Diana for the first time. And it just felt really, really stiff and awkward and stilted and forced and forced absolutely like, and oh, nice to meet you do you want to be my friend let's let's go right. out uh, yeah like... <clears throat> very heavy-handed and there's no subtlety to it at all and she's used to being playing heavy-handed stuff because all those sketches on snl they're not known for their subtleties so she can she can sort of handle that and usually with more grace than she did but i did not enjoy her transformation from you know the quote-unquote friend into the quote-unquote, you know, baddie. I thought, she, just from the writing point of view, not so much what she was doing. And, and, and it, really, it really came off with a, with a Selena Kyle vibe. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer from, uh, I think it was Batman Returns. Mm, mm. Where you have this, you know, otherwise kooky, nice, whatever, sidekick type woman who starts to, you know, turn into uh, this darker stuff started to come up. Although... The Selena Kyle version of it was more compelling and better executed, better conceived and better executed. Here it was just sort of a, a faint echo of that. And, 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 you know, in the end, she is there in this, you know, they have their big battle with each other, which was fun to watch as a battle. But who I didn't care. I didn't care about her character or I didn't even understand if I was supposed to be rooting for her to be killed or rooting for her to be saved from herself or what I was supposed to I, be I was I was trying to figure out why she was suddenly growing hair and spots. Well, you know, she's... It, it actually it took some work to connect that back to her <laughs> wanting to be an apex predator. Apex predator and the shoes that she saw um, Diana wearing that first day were, were, you know, leopard print shoes. She said, oh, nice uh... shoes. Um, because she's playing the character known as Cheetah. But yes, the reason she's Cheetah is very ambiguous and unclear why that would be the thing she is. And I was looking at it just thinking, you know what? I bet they use the software from Cats. You know, I would be curious if this was the same origin of that character in the comic books, um, except I'm not. <laughs> Uh, yes, and and, well and now put. that you brought up Kristen Wiig, <laughs> yes. now I've got I've got a dagger in each hand. So oh, may no. I may I take a stab at this cadaver, please? Okay, go. Okay, uh, first of all, one of my pet peeves in any film, yes, and it doesn't matter what the context. It could be Frank Capra, it could be Christopher Nolan, but man, do I hate. The Enchanted Homeless Syndrome. Oh, yeah. You lived in New York for a few years. I lived in New York for 20 years. 
I was never on a first name basis with any homeless person <laughs> I saw regularly. Certainly not, you know, to the extent where, you know, oh, hey, Joe, and ruffle his hair and go on his merry way. He's still homeless, but that's okay. Right, he doesn't mind. Right. He's oh, reading. Right. Did you catch what he did? Yes, you catch that well, little? I didn't notice it at the time because I was uh, whatever. I but actually I have did. Since. And, and I have since. I yeah. think it would have been, I would have preferred that the would be rapist. Had was reading, waiting for Godot. Yeah. Which brings me to dagger number two. What okay. did you think of that scene where she beats up the the would be rapist? Well, listen. And even already... even if rape is not necessarily where that character was going, right. there's nothing you know assault. Yeah. But I'm not going to say assaulter. So yeah, we'll just. Right. I'm going to use the term rapist you right have now asked to describe me, you him. Have, you have asked me a question, and I am going to take the fifth because I intend to say things later that are going to make people hate me. And so I'll let them hate you for whatever is about to happen. Well, I had a little little exchange with my wife about this. Oh, because good. Because as you once brought to my attention years sure. and years ago, oh, no. in a scene like this, the the character in question has to be wrong in order for the scene to work. Mm-hmm. I think, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I think there's probably a percentage of women out there who feel like this guy's getting exactly what he deserves. Yes, yes. And if anything, she didn't go far enough. Now, when I brought this up with my wife, my wife pointed out, yes, she could beat him up, but she was clearly going too far. Because the homeless guy who knows her so well can recognize this is not the person I know who <laughs> walks up to me in the street every day. Right. And so I even even the like... homeless guy. Sorry, even the homeless guy who has essentially is li- living outside the rules of society recognized that she had crossed the line. Well, I think that a different scene could have conveyed the she's going too far notion without something that is as loaded and not as cut and dry as beating up a would-be attacker right. slash rapist. Right. Uh, yeah, because we were all seemed satisfied with what Diana had done to the guy in the first place. Right, which, you know, I mean, right, you know, don't pick him up and bring him to the police station or anything like that. No, <laughs> right. Let him do him it again to someone else. On. Oh, my God, yeah. Okay, fine. Yes. Uh, okay. Those are two well-placed daggers. I would. I would. Uh, I would say. But now, what is this bringing up for you that you didn't want to bring up until later? Well, the hate is now. Okay. All right. The hate well, is now. Yeah, but once once I. All right. You you bring it up at your at your comfort. All right. My, well, well, as long as we're about. talking about this character, I just wanted to to quickly sort of jump onto the the fight that Wonder Woman has with Cheetah which is was mostly a CGI type fight, but every once in a while you'd have an insert shot of one or the other of them in some costume or whatever it was. Um, and they end up in the water and there's a, there's a, a live wire nearby and it's threatening to fall. And Diana, you know, basically goes, you have to, you know, basically you have to get on board with being good or, you know, I can't help you. And she's like, I'm, I'm never coming over to your side. And so the electricity goes into the water and they, and essentially Cheetah is is shocked. Presumably Diana is saved because she's immortal or nothing can harm her or whatever. But I don't understand why Kristen Wiig's character lived through that. Um, I would have assumed that she would die, but then she didn't die. And I just sort of thought, it made me start thinking, oh, wait a minute. 
does Wonder Woman not really hurt anybody or not really kill anybody? And I started going, oh, I see. She hasn't actually done anything really bad to anyone. She needs to be on the side where no real harm was done. And in some cases, no real good was done by her interventions. I just found it, as much as I didn't want to see Kristen Wiig's character die, really? I didn't... <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm, I wasn't. I'm, I'm, I wasn't rooting for her. I'm asking seriously. You were that like you had that much connection that you were like, oh gee, I really hope this character doesn't die. I wasn't I rooting. Shit. I wasn't rooting for her death. Let me put it in the other way. I wasn't either, but I certainly couldn't. I certainly could have cared less. Okay, that's fair. Couldn't have cared less. But I certainly, when she didn't, I was, I was very much puzzled by that, and just went, oh, okay. Now there's going to be a scene later where she's back to normal, and and you know, well, she's you know, recovered in some way. Maybe as her part soul. of her wish to be more like diana she yeah. she she got some of diana's magical electricity mm. repelling powers yeah there you go that makes sense as about much sense as anything else does all right so here's here's the thing that's going to be well no let me let me ask you something else first what is the deal with wonder woman i don't remember enough of what it was in the tv show which is my only exposure to it but you have Superman who has the secret identity of of Clark Kent. And one could argue that, the, you know, putting on a pair of glasses isn't quite enough to hide it. But that's been mocked many times before. You have Batman who's Bruce Wayne, but he wears a mask when, he, when he's Batman. So it's hard to tell who he is. There's a long history of secret identities. And as far as I can tell, there's almost absolutely no difference between uh, Diana in her secret identity identity and Wonder Woman. They look exactly the same. You can see her face clearly. And yeah. and is she supposed to be known or not known? Because she, at one point she takes out some security cameras. I'm assuming that was so that no one could see it was her solving or saving the moment. Yeah, I was a little confused by that as well. There was certainly none of the usual questioning by the media. You know, who is this woman who right. jumps around half naked and, you know, saves hot dog stands? No, right. Well, because because Spider-Man owns that to a certain extent, because that's built into the... It's funny, because in Spider-Man, he works for a newspaper. In Superman, he works for a newspaper. And she's, what, an archaeologist? Or I didn't even understand what she was. It felt like she, whatever she was, she was doing it to help the plot of this movie. But I don't I, I was, have any was, sense of what she's been doing for the last 60 years. Yeah, but right. Is she the same archaeologist? Because she's got some splaining to do. <laughs> right. How she, everyone else gets old, but not because her. Because in, um, oh, what was that movie? Oh, shoot. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up, and I can't remember anybody who was in it. Uh, Sean Connery was in it, uh, and it was that... The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I now like this game so much where you have to guess Sean Connery movies that I'm not going to even try. No, there was a like a French actor, and it's about <laughs> I, I, immortals. Um. It was it came out in the eighties. Uh, Highlander. Highlander, exactly. Thank you for saving yeah. me from myself. Okay, so in Highlander we have a ancient times opening sequence, and then we cut to modern day New York, and he clearly has had to reinvent himself multiple times to remain anonymous. He's master amassed a fortune, and so that was all just sort of bypassed here. No reference to it. No acknowledgement of it in any way. Even like what it would be like if she only had one true love. Look, you're supposed to show, not tell. And so don't bring him back and then have them tell us how she felt when he was gone. Show us how she felt when he was gone. And they just, they skipped over it. So I just don't understand what her deal is. Is she known? Is she not known? Is 
I mean, that it helps being in the 80s because there aren't cell phones and cameras in everybody's hand. So it's a little easier right. to hide, but it's not that easy to hide if you're if you're able to zoom through the air and do all these things and, and you know, uh, save people. And having an iconic costume while you're doing it doesn't help hide. You're much better if you're wearing a black hoodie and black sweats when you do those things. And a fanny pack. And a fanny pack. Because <laughs> it is the 80s, yes. And you're going to have to have your Revlon with you. Oh, I read a piece of trivia that I thought was kind of fun, which was that Diana was, her uh, Gal Gadot's makeup was Revlon all, all the way through. Oh, I, I did. Thought, I actually saw that credit. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I thought yeah. that was I thought that was kind of cool. And I thought they must have had a lot of fun doing that sort of stuff, like layering those kind of really thoughtful details. And I'm sorry that none, no thoughtful details were layered in when they were writing the script. That was a now that you've brought up Steve. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. OK, we'll put aside for a second the fact yeah. that he didn't really seem too amazed that somehow he's alive right <laughs> that's number one but let's talk about this this guy that he's embodying this avatar if yeah you so does everyone on the street <laughs> see steve or do they see the guy and she only sees steve and what happens to that guy when he wakes up he just has no memory like oh i've been out i've been asleep for four days and <laughs> right or a month you know? or whatever it is yeah right and why does my dick smell like amazon there you go <laughs> 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 he shoots um, he scores yes <laughs> so, sorry i apologize to everybody yeah so that's a very good hey man point. this is a family podcast <laughs> well at least decent human beings probably listen when the movie is a family film well that's true podcast is they're gonna film. they're gonna flock to it to this podcast so uh that's an excellent question what are the rules and why was it that guy as opposed to any other guy why wasn't the guy like hideous who he took over (laughs) so that she's then stuck being attracted to a hideous guy at the end instead of a guy who's somewhat how was how was that guy even chosen uh, right exactly loosely right Um, right. (laughs) no i mean i i knew going into this that chris pine was in it Right. Because I had seen his name somewhere and then there was some clip with that had the two of them fighting side by side or something. And I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. I figured, well, it must be a time warp. He must have gone right. through some wormhole right. or something. But there popped out in 1984. That was the only thing that right. would have made sense to me. But again, right. I understand. But again, like even if you just say, OK, this the way they the way they made it happen is how they made it happen. Who cares? They missed a huge opportunity to deal with because in the first movie, she basically lived in some sort of a past and came through into our contemporary present. So she and was he's a fish showing out of water, her around and he was At showing this time her around. It's reversed. And it's, it's this time it's reversed, which I think is perfectly fine as a concept. But they did nothing with it. And just is, like in the first one. Well, they did a little bit with it in the first one. But um, they did a little bit of it here. They cut, they boiled it down to one scene. Yeah. And that and was just, it. And it was worthless at that um because there's so much is that the only thing that's changed in 60 years is the clothes is that the only thing you'd have to wrap your mind around think of all the history he missed all the there's so much that um uh, think of how much history he he missed in in those years that that would have been warped his mind so many wars so much well i was gonna say funny he never he never asked who won the war <laughs> oh Never crosses god. his mind how that all turned oh out. Oh my god, that's so brilliant! Oh my god, I hate everyone who was involved in this so much. 
because oh, you're gonna hate him even you're gonna hate him even more by the time oh. this this thing's over. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Here 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 here's my big here's my yeah. big pet peeve. So, oh my god, there's okay, a big the, one. Okay, go. So the end of the movie, everyone has to renounce their wish, and then it all goes yes. away. Yes. Well, Max Lord's son wished for his dad's goodness. So does he take that back? <laughs> because at the end of the movie, he kind of gets a good dad, supposedly. But right. it just seemed it was like he was the one. He was like the one wish for something good. Oh, but I guess right. he's got to take it back now and end up with the dickhead father he had at the beginning of the movie, because it's all got to go back to the way it was. <laughs> right. Well, look. Yes. Yes. Here's the thing. Now you've now you've launched us into this whole thing where. Like we had one of the longest scenes in the whole goddamn movie was Pedro Pascal and that little shit son of his at the end having this big, long, heart-to-heart, drawn-out conversation. I don't care. I don't care about the kid. I don't care about Pedro. I don't care if he's if he's good underneath. I mean, it, it felt like such a such a thing. Where, well, nobody's really a villain because he has a really good reason. He he wants to do these things, and it's so that he can be close to his son. And it was just sort of all touchy feely and gooey. And I don't fucking care. Make him a bad guy, and he can stay a bad guy. And you know and what? Stay, he yeah. He can die for it, or he can be locked up forever. And the kid's effectively an orphan. I hey, don't care. you know, go to the first go to the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Yeah, uh, Willem Dafoe as uh, the Goblin, the Green the Goblin. Character's name was yeah, yeah. Perfect example. He stayed a bad guy all the way through, and he died, and right. there was, you know, the consequences his child had to deal with. Oh, seriously, yeah. That then rep- uh, that sent echoes through other movies. That, at that least paid one off more, in the sequel. More. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, like you said, it's here. It was just that that scene would have gone too far to actually yeah. maybe have someone die in this movie. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I couldn't um, couldn't wrap my head around it. So here's the thing, though. So Pedro Pascal is. I can't even think of what he what he's like. He's supposed to be. I don't even know how to say this. The character he's playing, uh, Max Lord, he's not literally supposed to like the other guy wasn't really uh, Ronald Reagan. And so Max Lord is not really based on any one particular thing, but just maybe this idea of a self-help guru. Is that the idea? Like, who's that giant guy, the super tall guy who does all the. He's like Frankenstein, who does all the the self help stuff. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? No, I don't. Oh, geez, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Anyone, any faithful listener will realize I can't remember anybody's name when I have to. But I just didn't understand like who he was supposed to be based on. Even if he wasn't based on somebody, it's like was he self help guru? Was he a oil some some bogus oil investor or a con man? You know, yeah, yeah. It was. So in any case. Here's the thing is that if we're talking about the mid 80s, oh, t- t- Tony Robbins was the guy I was trying to think of. Tony mm, Robbins. Okay. okay. Um, so he's some sort of quasi Tony Robbins type guy. But it re- and this is, I'm going to sound terrible. People, I love everyone, every culture. They're all beautiful. Everything's fine. Each individual is not based oh, on who they man. come from. But I don't oh, understand man. why our self help guru is of Latin descent. Because I don't feel like in the 80s, America was opening their arms wide to follow the uh, the life advice of Latin people. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ooh, tell uh, me in I'm the wrong. 80s, I remember there was a lot of backlash because Cuba unloaded its jails and a lot of criminals came fl- coming over to Florida. So if anything, yeah, you are correct. The whole time, he just reminded me of like an amped up Antonio Banderas embodying... <laughs> 
the soul of Robert Vaughn. Oh my God, I would have loved it to be Antonio Banderas. That would have been yeah, awesome. Yeah, me too. He could have yeah. done, he could have fucking killed that. He has the charm, he has everything. He's a little older, but I would rather have he's, been a little older than not. Because I was thinking he's of- He's got more comedy, he's got more comedy timing. I was than, thinking than of- This of guy did. Characters, yeah, that's true. I was thinking of characters like, uh, like uh, Michael Douglas in Wall Street, the gecko character- you know, that's sort mm. of the greed side of it or whatever. But I just, I didn't understand, like, is there an, is he an analog to the real world or is he amalgam of guys? And it just, I'm just like, in any case, I don't think he should be of Latin descent. I'm sorry. I think it's just casting him for the sake of diversity. And then just as I'm trying to talk myself out of that, it looks for all the world like he has an Asian kid. And I'm like, okay, you're allowed to have kids of any extraction. What's going on with his kid? And my wife says, What's going on with his kid? And I'm like, well, I guess the mother, he, you know, Max Lord is married to a, a a woman of Asian extraction, or you know, so that's that's the kid. That's all there's to it. But it turns out that according to some that I read somewhere, that character that was the son character in this movie was adopted. So I don't even know if there is a relationship with the mother. I don't even understand. I don't understand any of it in the source material. It's a daughter who is his blood daughter. And I think that makes a much, much stronger connection than what they had going here. And I just sort of feel like it comes under the heading of diversity for the sake of diversity rather than for something that serves the story. If the diversity yeah, made thought, the story stronger, maybe, then great. I thought maybe it was an homage to Short Round. Speaking <laughs> of the 80s. Oh, my God. Oh, you just won. You just won the show. You won the show. Oh, come on. You did. That's great. That's perfect. Um, from... Uh, uh, not Temple of the Yeah, Temple of Doom. Yeah, no, Temple of Doom, yeah. <laughs> Short round. That's so funny because I'm not going to do it here for everyone's entertainment, but uh, I will often say no time for love, Dr. Jones, to uh, my family and things like that. I, I quote Short Round all the time, but you were the guy who, who brought him in, so good for you. You you won. <laughs> so just I, diversity for the sake think, of diversity bothers me. Yeah, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a single scene in this movie that... <laughs> that I liked, let alone thought oh. was halfway decent. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Well, well it's uh, true. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, oh, please tell me, tell me the things you liked. Oh, no, no. I, I'm not Elevate saying that I, I have any. No, no, no. I'm not saying I have any. There was nothing I left and went, well, if it wasn't for that one scene, this would have been a waste of time. It was a waste of time. But here's what I thought we might do really briefly, uh, if you want to, because I'm kind of done talking about this. People don't see it unless you're a 13-year-old girl. Uh, that's my advice. That's my my, my final oh. take. Nope. Wait. I got no. I oh. have one more little sticky. Oh, point. please, please. So, the invisible jet. Oh yeah. Okay. With its radar blocking device. Yes. Yeah, that was that was okay. I guess I don't know why they didn't take that across the Atlantic, <laughs> as opposed to this, you know, an old model, whatever it was, which miraculously has enough fuel in right it <laughs> to go to make anywhere that kind of a journey sure i didn't understand that either but uh i kept rethinking back to the cartoon yeah of wonder woman you know the invisible jet they would just have an outline of the jet yes and and we would see her sitting in it right right and even as a kid i thought you know but in reality anyone who's standing on the ground looking up not only just sees a woman Right. Floating through the air. In a seated but position. All, but she's all like flattened out and squashed at the bottom from being in the seat. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's a fetishist website that is nothing but glass bottom chairs. Um, yes, looking the, at the <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, dirty Sanchez references where you least expect them. Uh, well, yes, uh, but but that said, I did like the look of the invisible jet effect. Yes, I, here this kind yes. of like rippled transparency. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of uh, another '80s movie, Predator, which oh yeah, a yeah, 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 masterpiece yeah. compared to this, <laughs> and had that kind of an effect in it. Yeah, we just it, we yeah. just caught a couple minutes of Alien versus Predator yesterday on HBO or something, and and they, at a scene where they were doing that effect, it looked very cool. And it was kind of interesting too. Like, well, first of all, I didn't know that anyone was aching for the origin story of the invisible plane or the invisible jet. So to even bother including it just feels like it feels like they're servicing fanboys that don't exist. But they may have gotten thousands of letters from very uh, interested uh, young men and young women about. I was going to oh, say, I think you mean fangirls. Yeah, I did. I did. But uh, but I thought it was kind of cool that inside the jet. It is not invisible. You see all the switches and all the panels and everything else. Because otherwise, how are you going to fly a plane? But that, uh, but that outside you, because he's sitting in the cockpit and we're looking kind of over his shoulder as he looks out and sees there is no that the wing is invisible. But you can see all of the rest of the interior of the cockpit is still there and intact. So that was interesting. I did want to actually circle back to one thing that I thought made it worth it. It wasn't exactly a scene, but I, ab- I absolutely thought that the that the gold-plated armor was really gorgeous. I loved her her regular Wonder Woman costume. It looked just like super cool to me. I liked the way it it clung to her, the way it, it you know covered her body, the way it moved with her body. I thought that looked. I'm beautiful. sure you did love it. <laughs> You're probably not alone. <laughs> and I thought that the that the that the gold-plated armor was just was just gorgeous. Yes, um, yes, and I it loved did. But it didn't remind me of the uh, FTD floral delivery. <laughs> Yes, that is fair. And I do I do kind of get annoyed, as much as I don't care about this movie, the fact that the promotional material has her wearing it is I'm like, why are you giving that away? That is such a great reveal. And now I'm seeing it in the fucking poster. Last question. Yes. Last question. Yes. What was the what was the point of that first scene where young Diana Oh yeah, yeah. Scales everything to you know, almost yeah. win that race, but right. then she'll no child. You in can't. The, in well, the Amazonian is, Olympics is the. I was going to say uh, Amazon Ninja Warrior. Uh, is, <laughs> is the point that she can't always get what she wants? Is the point that she has to sometimes give something up? I, I'm yes, trying to yes. relate was, that was, scene with the rest of the movie, and it. It was both of those. It was three things. It was the two you said. You can't always get what you want. Um, and sometimes in order to win, you have to give something up or in order to whatever you have to. But also, um, no, darn it. No, I forgot what the third thing was. You have to play um, by the rules. Oh, you have to play by You have to be honest. You can't win through trickery or deceit. That truth above all else. Because her, her lasso is about truth. And cheating isn't, isn't being truthful. So you have to be truthful. I think that's why it informed it. I actually okay. rather liked that. I rather liked that beginning part of it. That little actress could so easily be her when she was younger that I liked, I actually liked that part almost more than the rest of the movie. Uh, and she was doing her own stunts. I have read that that little girl is, uh, is very capable. They had a stunt person that they just said, never mind, she can do it all. And she looks like herself more than you do. So I thought that was 
that was cool. And I listen, I'm a softie for Robin Wright. I have been since The Princess Bride. So any chance to see her, I'm going, yeah, I, I kind of like to see her do stuff. And I believe her as an Amazonian warrior and, and queen, certainly. And I have, uh, just jumping to the very end, again, spoiler alert, cr uh, credit sequence, spoiler alert, I have zero use for um, Linda Carter, really. I don't care. I I'm not sure who that was for, I guess. You know what? I don't even, this is how much of a non-comic person I am. Oh, no. I don't even dignify them by sticking around for you didn't see post-credits, mid-credits. Oh my God, you didn't see it. Get we me had out of to. Here. You can't get out fast enough as far let as me, I'm concerned. Let me tell you, we knew there was going to be something because there's always something. And then because we were streaming it and we're old and we don't know how to use uh, clickers, we suddenly turned off the thing instead of, you know, you have this opportunity before it's going to launch into the next thing and you got to get the clicker and do something quick. Yeah, right. To... Within three seconds. Right. Yeah. With, and so we inadvertently shut it off and, and essentially started it over. And the mechanism would not jump to the end. So we had to scan through the entire movie on scrub through the whole movie in high speed, which took about five minutes. This thing was two and a half hours long. Oh, wait. No, I'm going to get angry right. again. Hold on a second. Hence, in order hence just... my not sticking around for the credits. <laughs> anyway, in the credits there, there's a shot where you see somebody walking from behind. It is apparently, to all the world, appears to be Diana as we last saw her in that like public setting. Mm. Like Christmas time in a mall and you know, or an outdoor mall, and and something big falls over and is going to crush a woman and with her baby. And Diana reaches up. It's all seen from behind. Diana, you know, this character reaches up and stops the thing from falling on them, and then sets it to the ground and saves them, and keeps striding forward. And then eventually, somehow, the camera comes around, or that character turns as the camera zooms in, and it's and it's uh, somebody says, "Thank you for saving my baby, but who are you?" And the camera moves in as she turns and pivots back to the camera and says. I'm Asteria, you know, something like that. And now you can see it's Linda Carter um, in a big, long, fake wig that makes her hair look like Gal Gadot's. And then she uh, she turns and leaves again. So that's the character who originally wore the armor. Right, right. Yeah, I and remember so, that when that yeah. story was told in the movie. But are they implying now that she's she's in the real world? She She's made it to 1984? Yes, not implying that's exactly what they're saying that she's not out of the she's still she's still in the game somehow so we can was she wearing her her gold armor no she was wearing like a no no because no, otherwise you would have recognized her from behind she was wearing like a great coat and it was a similar color or a similar uh... cut to what diana had been wearing we're, we're supposed to think it's diana walking through the crowd but they didn't do it exactly they did a little bit of room so you could you know wonder when it finally happened well you know if we were to wrap this episode up in the next yes. five minutes yes we would still be less than half <laughs> of the length of time it's took to sit through that movie that is true and that's i wanted to touch on that because that movie is it's criminally long given what it is there is absolutely no reason that that movie has to be two and a half hours and the reason it is two and a half hours two and a half plus hours is because Basically, they knew it was going to end up being streamed, that it basically mm -hmm. wasn't going to end up in theaters. And so you don't have the time constraints that they have in theaters and you don't have to produce all the actual film itself that needs to get shipped somewhere. You know, they're free of all the, the real world problems of a movie that's longer and they can then irresponsibly dump it out in much the same way that that. What was that Scorsese mess that came out? Oh, the Irishman. The Irishman, uh, criminally long. And, and this and this one was, too. 
because I wish that the post credits scene had been <laughs> Wonder Woman busting into the editing room. Right. <laughs> yes. And clonking someone on the head. Yeah. Um, so I and then there was something else that popped into my head to say about it and then popped right out again. I couldn't remember. But there was something you know, I wanted least, to. I was going to say at least they didn't have an insert shot of some little kid pointing up and going, look, it's Wonder Woman. We can thank our lucky stars. That would have made it a little bit longer than uh, two hours and 30 minutes. I wanted to maybe blast through really quickly. Yes. Listen, we can we can we can excise this if you if you want blast um, away. and blast talk away. about talk about like for one or two of these people who are in it. All of them have other things that people are better off watching than this. So in the case of, of uh, Chris Pine, Chris Pine example, sure does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, mean, I like yeah. this. I like the Star Trek movies. Certainly. I liked Unstoppable. I think that's a really underrated movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that is, that was good. That was that was quite good. He's in he's in um was it? Oh shit, now I'm going to seem like an idiot. Was he in that movie about I was going to say the... you, you didn't you weren't prepared for this <laughs> subject you I... were going to bring that you brought up? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Uh, fair enough. Um <laughs> I now I'm I'm completely uh, I'm completely shut down. I don't want to okay. just sort of rattle off his credits and, and just to bulk up the list of things that we talk about. Um but I can't now remember the movie that I'm thinking he's in, but it doesn't look like he is in it. Robin Wright, we've mentioned Princess Bride. You sort of made a noise. Do you do you, do you dislike her? No, not at all. No. Oh, okay. Um I feel like she I'm hard pressed to think of something she's done in the last fifteen ish oh, years. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the 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 pledge is a movie from uh, two thousand one. I think it's with uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, yeah. Uh, and, and and it's it's a tough tough drama, but she is really good in that. She's she's really quite good. I'll I'll do you one better. Yeah. Early nineties movie, an early Gary Oldman movie, and I think it's Sean Penn. State of it's Grace. It's a movie called Yes, State and she's Grace. amazing yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Another excellent movie that's under the radar. Yes, I have seen it. It's been a long time since I saw it. Uh, of course, you know, Forrest Gump and, and Maul Flanders. Wasn't Maul Flanders an MGM product? Oh, I, yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like I've seen that around. So, so yeah, as she's, I just like her a lot. I just have a soft spot for her. Well, and she was in Blade Runner 2049. So, you know, oh. she can't be all bad. There's that noise. See, oh, that's right. the noise oh, I thought right. I heard yeah. you make. Oh, she's sorry. Clearly, her agent's working overtime. Exactly. Uh, and what about Kristen Wiig? Do, uh, do you have a thing for her you like, other than we've already mentioned one? Yeah, you know... I mean, Ghostbusters was horrible. I don't mind Kristen Wiig, mm. but I am not as enchanted or tickled by her as most people as are. As other people are. Okay. Did you like Bridesmaid? I, and I can't... I, I can't tell you why. I did like Bridesmaid. Okay. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I can't really... I can't explain why. It's not like... Amy Poehler, where it's like I have a very specific reason why I don't care for her. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's just something she, – she's fine. She's good. She just doesn't mm-hmm. make me laugh. She was in, she was in a movie from uh, last year called Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which, was, uh, which starred Kate Blanchett and is based on a book. And, um, and she, was, she was fine in it. I mean she was playing a normal person in the normal world and she's able to do normal just – very well. And largely, I didn't care for the movie. But then by the very end, it was just the way it wrapped up really ended up. It was so weird to be sitting and grinding my teeth during this whole movie. And then the last two minutes, have it get me in the heart, you know, just go, oh, now I see, hmm. you know. So I sort of recommend that movie. Uh, but uh, it's certainly something that she's done that was a little bit different from her. And I know this is an area, Pedro Pascal, 
who I don't, he doesn't really live in my head. Like, you know, I, I've seen the Kingsman the Golden Circle and he's in that, but nothing really sort of jumps out for him, of him for me. He In Game of Thrones, we saw him there. Poor um, man's Antonio Banderas. Yeah, well, there is that. The, 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 the Adjustment Bureau is a movie I really like that he was in. He's oh, not featured okay. in it. Do you know the Adjustment Bureau? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, it's it's it's, a, it's based on Philip K. Dick, I believe. Oh, uh, the very same guy cool. who wrote the source material for Blade Runner and sure. uh, Scanner Darkly mm-hmm. and Minority Report. Exactly. And yeah. I think uh, John Slattery from Mad Men is in that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I know the movie. I know the movie you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, uh, most notably, although you couldn't prove it by most people, uh, he is playing the title character in The Mandalorian, which is on streaming on Disney Plus which is, I think, the fir- one of the first live-action, maybe the first live-action series to be set in the Star Wars universe. And he's in a, in a uniform the entire time, so, and his face is covered by a helmet. So you never actually see his face, but you hear his voice throughout it. And uh, he, he's terrific, and that's a terrific show. If you have any interest in the Star Wars universe, maybe even if you don't, it's, it might be worth watching a couple of those. Uh, you know, yeah, you know what? I, I, I might have if it wasn't for Baby Yoda. You know, if you yeah, if someone had told me about Ewoks going into yeah. Return of the Jedi, <laughs> I would not have gone. You would not have gone. Yes, yeah. I agree. So, no, once it gets kitted down, yes, yes. I'm out. I understand what you're saying. And Baby Yoda, or the child, as he is probably called in the script, Baby Yoda was something that, that those two words were invented by the public or by the press. It's referred, mm. the, the character's referred to as the child, and then eventually the, the character got a name, a real name, which I won't repeat here for so that there's no spoilers about something that you know, people aren't expecting. But I have to look, I have to cast aside my grave misgivings about the presence of this Baby Yoda and my my college-age sons who adore Baby Yoda uh, are furious with me how much I either don't care or dislike that character. But there's a lot to be admired in the rest of it. And his partner in crime is a guy named Dave Filoni who is involved in several of the animated Star Wars series and has a long history and track with Favreau and I mean with the Star Wars universe and the two of them are doing a tremendous job here it, it gives you all the excitement for me anyway all the excitement that as a as a, a an 11 year old a 12 year old that I got seeing that first Star Wars movies in, in 1977 is delivered here and and they're using a very much um, the themes and and sort of tropes of the Western genre are woven in throughout in really interesting and fun ways and the guest directors include Bryce Dallas Howard and and Taika Waititi and Robert Rodriguez and even Carl Weathers directed an episode. There's a lot of really interesting Whoa. stuff going on there. Yeah, I know, I know. And and they're using. I mean, it's just seamless. The way the the effects in it are just gorgeous and seamless. And there's a mix of of you know practical uh, makeup effects, but also CGI and this and the whole thing. I think the whole thing is shot in a green screen surround 360 degrees surround and that the environments are all fake, but they look perfect. They're amazing. How much is uh, Disney plus compensating you for this? <laughs> well, uh, full disclosure, my wife does work for Disney, but, uh, but I'm not seeing any money outside of that, uh, that which comes in for her slaving in the, uh, in the cartoon minds. Let me ask you this. Yes. As we perhaps uh, wind this down. Sure. Because we're creeping up on almost half, half, half yeah, as long. Yeah, I know. We gotta, we gotta get to go. Do you predict a third? Will we have WW01 or something? <laughs> I definitely think that they will make. Well, here's the thing. 
the box office on this thing, the actual box office, was $16 million either opening day or opening weekend. And so I don't know whether that's good or not good in a pandemic, but I know they that spent... Doesn't sound like, that yeah. doesn't sound too high. They have to have spent, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to make this, you know, $200 million, $250 million, something like that. It's going to take a big hit, but I think the, in, the studios are all going to take a giant hit on the money they spent on movies that were going to be released this year. They had to find other ways to try to monetize them. And I don't think if Disney or whoever... Is this Disney? No, it's not Disney. When you put it out on your own streaming service, I don't think it gets you anywhere, uh, money-wise. It might bring extra people to the service, so there might be money involved there, but it's really hard to track the monetary thing that would establish a new one. So maybe if Gal Gadot has a pay-or-play contract, it might be better for them just to make a third one, but they've certainly set it up as though they will. I mean, we're supposed to see Linda Carter again. There's no question about it. So I do believe that, that that was their intention when they made it. It's hard to know whether or not, given the climate now, whether or not that would really come to pass. Oh, you know, as a weird little note, and then I'll, I'll turn it back on you. She was paid something like $300,000. Uh, Gal Gadot was paid something like $300,000 for her first appearance in the first movie, which I think is a criminally low amount, knowing what kind of oh. movie it's going to be. About as criminal as calling it an appearance, since she is well, the lead character. That's Go true. Ahead. Okay. Uh, she w- she made $10 million here, which seems slightly yeah. more appropriate, but still like too, too small an amount of money, given what she was going into. But they will always rob you every chance they get, those, uh, those greedy vampires. You know, studios are almost as bad as 80s movie villains, as bad and greedy as 80 movie villains. Uh, how about you? Do you think there's going to be another one? Do you care? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there will be, but you don't care. Only in the sense that it will free us up to spend an episode on something else, because I had no intention of seeing never, the third one. Never talk about it again. That's uh, that's fair, uh, and I think that's a good place to end. However, I do predict I do have one prediction to make. Yes. You will all have heard it here first. That at some point, perhaps in the not too distant future, I predict that Kristen Wiig will play Julie Andrews in some Julie Andrews movie maybe they're gonna do like a beautiful day in the neighborhood of the sound of music (laughs) or something right but her resemblance is striking i know (laughs) she could probably do the accent of of julie andrews probably can can sing fabulously also yeah Yeah. so when they do when they do it's just a matter of time when they do the under the rainbow version of uh, victor victoria she'll play julie andrews Uh, funny part is is that I I guarantee you anyone listening to this show has no no idea idea that you just referenced a movie when you said Under the Rainbow I said it to the one person on earth who would understand what I was talking about and that's why we're here together that's right but we're not here together for much longer ladies and gentlemen we'd like to thank you once again for joining us Uh, for now and until next time the doctors are out Unique New York. Unique New York. Okay.